Baseball buds to episode four of the Daisy Cutter podcast. Only two thirds of your hosts here today, uh, myself and Don and BP, of course, of course, of course, um, joining us from uh, Los Angeles out there in California. BP, how's it going? It's going great, Nick. Glad you're here. Um, the third baseball bro, Nick Rogers. It's his birthday today, so everyone reach out, wish him happy birthday. He's uh, he's off doing important birthday stuff, so. Um, you know, today it's, it's just end on and myself, we actually bring them back for, for an interview we have in the later half of, of this podcast, but you know, for the beginning, it's, it's just us. So I'm excited. Um, and it's, it's a, got a lot of stuff to talk about. So I'm, I'm excited for this, for today's uh, episode. Yes. Happy birthday, Mr. Rogers. Uh, I'm sure a fun weekend for him. He's got the birthday. You got the first weekend of March madness. Um, we were just talking before this. Uh, my bracket is one of the worst brackets of all time. I'm in the last place in every league, but BP didn't even do a bracket this year. Brian, like what, what's up? You know, I, you know, I've been in Chicago the last five years. So I, I assume that the starting time was 1115 for games on Friday. It was actually 915. So by the time I was starting to fill out my bracket, games were already going and I missed out. And uh, so, yeah, I just, I'm just enjoying, enjoying the games um, which is kind of nice, but I am a little saddened that I cannot be in last place like you, Nick. Exactly. Gotta, gotta be in last love, love being at the bottom there. Um, big time looking really good. Good job. Big time. Not, uh, <laughs> but anyways, we'll get to the baseball now. Um, getting close BP less than two weeks away from opening day, which is uh, obviously exciting for everybody. A lot of optimistic. Everyone wants to see baseball. Um, I'm sure too, for your Dodgers in particular, excited to look to repeat this thing. I think for um, April April first for for opening day, I started seeing ads on on ESPN watching March Madness. So you know, once those ads start coming, you know you know we're close. So I'm excited for that. Um, Dodgers obviously look good, so you know it, that's always exciting. But I'm excited to watch other teams this year too. I think especially with like doing this podcast, you know, we want to make sure we touch on all teams. So I'm excited to to watch a lot of teams and, and one team in particular, the White Sox, who we again were we talked to the Good Guys Talk Back podcast, um, Nick and Pat later in the in the podcast, and they're they're awesome, huge White Sox fans, and you know we picked their brain for about an hour, and and you know they're, they're one of the teams that we've talked about winning the World Series and watching. So that's another team I'm looking out for this year. Yeah, definitely a great interview later in the podcast. Um, like you said, Brian, Nick and Pat were awesome to talk to. Those guys really know their stuff. Fun team to talk about, too, in the White Sox. Like, like you just said, a lot of hype around them, a lot of us picking them to go far. Um, so I hope everyone looks forward to enjoying that later. Um, but real quick, you know, not too much to talk to. We want to get to the interview. It's, it's a long one this week. So we're just going to really at a high level talk on some news and notes for the week. And then kind of wrap things up before the interview, talking about our favorite and least favorite uniforms in the MLB. But with that, we'll kind of jump into it here. Uh, first off, some retirements or potential retirements. Um, Nick Markakis, got to give the guy some props. 15 years in the MLB, around a 288 career hitter. So really, you know, good serviceable player for his entire time. Um, six seasons in Atlanta, uh, but started off nine years in Baltimore. 
um, just a great guy. And, and again, wish him nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Yeah. He's one of those guys too. That's like in the hall, he's gonna be in the hall of very good. You know, I think if he kept playing, maybe if he ended up at 3000 hits for like, if he played a couple more season, maybe he had an argument, but he's one of those guys. That I think like when we talk to our kids about like those, like some, if Nick from Arcacus ever comes up, we're like, Oh yeah, that guy was so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, just one of those guys that, you know, not hall of fame career, but hall of very good. I would definitely put him in there. Agreed. Now, the other guy, again, making news in the press this week, hasn't officially retired yet. So we can't say he is retired, but definitely strongly leaning towards it. Um, Ryan Braun, a very interesting player, obviously has a pretty crazy resume in terms of one, how productive he's been as a hitter. He was truly a star of the game in his prime. Um, obviously, also steroids came into his uh, his chapter uh, later in his career, too. Um, just curious, BP, your thoughts on him. The only way he comes back is if he stays with the Brewers. So uh, ultimately kind of that club's decision if they want to keep him around or move forward. I mean, as a Dodgers fan, transparently, I hate the guy. <laughs> there was like rumors that we might get him. I mean, he basically stole an MVP from Matt Kemp when, when Braun was on steroids. So obviously I love Matt Kemp. I'm very sad that he didn't win that MVP, but uh, so I have a, a weird feeling about Ryan Braun. Obviously, I recognize how good of a of career he has, but kind of you know tainted a little bit with those the steroids. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been to Dodger games against Brewers, and you know everyone's booing him, and that was always fun. So I guess I'll give him that. You know, the booing side of the game has been fun. But. Yeah, we'll we'll see how he uh, how he turns out this year. I think he's at the tail end of it either way. So. Um, could he stay in there? I think, yes, he could maybe be a guy who can plug in and hit, you know, for a key hit, you know, spot every now and then, but other than that, he's kind of washed up at this point. So we'll see what happens, but definitely a name to kind of, again, look into the next couple of weeks as the season approaches. With that, we talked about retirements. We got to talk about birthdays, not just Mr. Rogers birthday, uh, which again is today, but, uh, Vladdy jr. Just turned 22 earlier this week on Tuesday. Um, we're obviously high on him, me in particular, Toronto, uh, look for his season. Like I said, uh, for the bold predictions that were maybe not as bold as I would have liked looking back at it, but, um, big year for him, the young guy, I just excited to see what he can do in, in 2021. He's one of those guys too. I mean, we, we talked about, you know, like Corey Seager the other day where it's like, yeah, he's only 27. I think Vlad jr. Is also going to be in that camp where like three years from now when he's like 25, we're going to be like, wait, that guy's only 25. So like, it's just like, even now it's crazy. That he's only 22 and, you know, top, like he's not even a prospect anymore where there's like guys in the prospect list who are, are like 23, 24, and they're not even in the majors. And here's Vlad Jr. Who's only turning 22. And he's, you know, got a legit chance of being like one of the best players in baseball, um, which is just crazy. And on like a, a really fun Blue Jays team. So excited to see where this season goes and where this, um, where his career goes. Happy birthday, Vlad. Happy birthday, Vladdy. Um, talking of injuries though, uh, Carlos Carrasco, um, big piece, obviously in the off season with the Lindor trade coming over to New York, the Mets, uh, suffered a torn hamstring this past week, expecting this six, eight weeks. I, I was big on him again with the Mets. I think him Stroman have to help out DeGrom to solidify that rotation. It's early. So yes, six, eight weeks at the beginning of the season shouldn't kill you, but you definitely want to have a good start and, um, already being down Carrasco is a little worrisome, but. Uh, we'll see what happens there, but definitely a noteworthy injury. Yeah, I think the Mets, you know, you, you're you kind of banking on, you know, you know, you're going to get a potential Cy Young season from DeGrom. That's no, that's a known, you know, you mentioned Stroman and, and Carrasco and 
Um, Syndergaard's injured, but it's like these guys are guys you need to be good this year to, you know, really have that playoff push that you've that Nick Donabedian, the Nick Donabedian <laughs> playoff push. Um, if that's going to come to fruition, you definitely need those guys behind DeGrom to really step up and continue those wins. And I think, like you said, six to eight weeks shouldn't kill you. Um, but it, again, it, it's not a great way to start the season, but again, I feel like Carrasco was a guy that I somehow got thrown into that Lindor trade. Um, so, you know, I think you can just picture him just like, yeah, he'll just start in six to eight weeks. So, um, but again, that's like another, a guy that, you know, you miss out on Trevor Bauer. That could be a guy that you, you wish wasn't hurt or you wish you had Bauer to be like, that's not a big deal. Cause we have two elite guys. Um, so it'll be interesting to say at least hope he, um, comes back healthy and, better than ever, but definitely something to, to watch out for, for the Mets starting rotation. Yeah. You know, and Carrasco, I mean, everyone knows his story. Um, he bad and overcame cancer. So I have no doubt he'll be able to battle and overcome this injury and, and come back for him, but wishing him a speedy recovery. Um, again, I'm all in on the Mets. So Carrasco get back as soon as you can, buddy. But the other good thing too, um, again, we're getting kind of close to uh, the regular season spring trainings wrapping up, but a lot of injury prone stars in the MLB making some cement, some noise this uh, last couple of weeks, starting with your boy, Corey Seager swinging a hot bat. I know going into, I think Monday or Tuesday this week, he had hit five home runs in his past six games. Also a big year for him BP with it being a contract season. Yeah, I'm, I'm high on Corey Seager this year as I, in my bold predictions uh, segment, I said he'd be the, the best Dodgers player this year. Um, he actually hit a home run today in spring training. So bump that from five to six home runs. Uh, so he's swinging a hot bat. I'm, I'm so excited to see his season. I hope he stays healthy. I mean, um, MVP candidate if he does, which again is crazy that the Dodgers have probably like what four or five MVP candidates in their lineup currently. Um, and I think Seager's one of those guys that you, you know about and you think about, but I mean, probably overshadowed by like the Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger um, in that lineup, but definitely got to, to watch out for this year. I'm with you on Corey Seager too. I, I think everyone forgot. He was really one of the first guys last, probably, I don't know what exactly when he burst onto the scene. Probably it was like three, four five seasons ago, BP. But when he yeah. did, he was the big name. Everyone was talking about Corey Seager, Corey Seager. And then of course he's been battling the injuries and you get the really other good pieces and, and Mookie and, you know, everyone else kind of coming up within that system. Um, yeah. If he can come back to like just a healthy season, maybe play around 120 games or so. Uh, I think the sky's the limit for him. And that team again, is just so dangerous. So excited to watch his bat. Uh, another guy too, who we're both big on in particular is, is Matt Chapman. Um, last year with the hip injury that kind of, again, sidelined him for most of 2020, um, looking like himself again, both at the plate, uh, last year, again, had a rough year with, with the injury before that hitting around like 231, but, um, strike strikes, strikeouts are kind of, again, coming back down to earth, which is good for him. The bats looking fine. Uh, also defensively. I mean, this guy last year just was looked banged up. Couldn't move very well. He's doing that again, though, now in terms of being able to move, get the balls, make plays defensively. So good to see him uh, again, back in form. I love Matt Chapman. I think like he's just he seems like one, like a cool dude, which like obviously we, we won't know until until we meet him. I'm not going to say we'd never meet him, but Matt Chapman, if you want to join the pod, more than happy to have you on it. Uh, but he's one of those guys that, you know, watching him play is just a joy. I think he's just like a guy where you're like, 
the ball is hit in his direction, like he's going to make a play. And that's just, I love those kind of, of baseball players. I think it's so fun. So him being injured, I mean, the A's last year were so good, even with him injured. I, I think they're just going to probably take it to another level this year um, with him. And, and like you said, we've, we've talked about him a few times on the pod. And I think him looking like himself is, is, is a benefit one for the A's. And I just think in, in baseball for, for general. So look for Matt Chapman and his pro- pretty much guaranteed gold glove this year. Um, on that, on that A's roster. Yeah, he's definitely one of the more exciting players in all of baseball. So good to see him healthy. Um, and then the last guy we want to touch on here is just uh, Luis Severino. Um, obviously a big name for the Yankees, uh, especially the last couple of years with like his potential. Um, had Tommy John surgery a little over a year ago, finally throwing a bullpen sessions and the Yankees are really happy and supportive of where he's at in that process. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Every time we talk about the Yankees, we talk about injuries. So I think the more uh, all like hands on deck they have ready to go, the better. I mean, Severino has had in the past, like, you know, Cy Young looking stuff. So I think him being healthy for the Yankees is, you know, the Yankees is probably everyone's pick for the AL East and potentially the AL over the White Sox. Um, and I think if Severino's healthy, that that's going to be a big piece to that. So um, look for him to just continue to, to make his way back after, after Tommy John. And I mean, if he's, if he's on, if he's on, he's on, and I don't, he's probably one of the, some of that stuff that's unhittable. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I think that'll be a big piece for if the Yankees want to, you know, make the world series this year. Absolutely. And, and I think the biggest thing, and you just nailed it, BP, we've talked about it. It's, injuries for them every single year is kind of what derails them or potentially, you know, makes them vulnerable to losing big games, especially in the postseason. Um, if these guys can stay healthy, it's a big if, but if they can, I mean, this is one of the most talented teams in all baseball easily. So um, excited to see him hopefully make an appearance sometime soon. Uh, just kind of continue to come back from that uh, Tommy John. But the last thing we, again, we want to talk about before we go to the interview um, is uniforms, probably my favorite topic in all of sports uh, and really just kind of, again, ramble on about it, but who BP in your opinion, top, maybe top three teams in the MLB in terms of unis overall. And then give me one team too, where you're just like, Oh, like gross. This is, and honestly, this is probably be something we br- like bring up all the time, like throughout the, the year. Time. So this would be a list that probably changes. <laughs> like, you know, one day we'll be like, that's a good uniform. And then the next week, like, you know what, maybe not. Um, you know, I like again. I'm a Dodgers fan, so I'm not gonna say a Dodger. I love the Dodgers uniform. It they have great unis. Like, great unis. Hasn't changed it like since they've moved to LA. So like, I feel like that's like a good staying thing. My, I'll do my favorite uniform last. Um, one of my favorites though is I love the Mariners. Like they're like cream colored jerseys. Yes. Um, the Mariners overall just have like such fun uniforms. I love the like teal blue. Like it's just I. Like, and then I, you know, I just always, I think of Ken Griffey Jr. and like the Mariners uniforms. It's just like oozes coolness, I guess. I hope, like, I think the next guy, Kyle Lewis kind of like, or like he yeah. just, if you can rock a uniform with swag, which like a lot of guys can, but like Mariners, it's just like so swaggy. And I love, I love the Mariners um, uniforms. The other, then my next um, favorite uniform, this is tough. Um, I'll go with, the Padres Brown Ooh, uniforms, the new of, ones, of, of the new ones. Yeah, so nice. Like, and, and uh, the Padres will also be on my worst <laughs> list, as, <laughs> uniform list as well. I, I love the brown uniforms. I think like I'm glad they're leaning into the brown and yellow, like with the Padre logo, like the 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 swing and fryer, fling and fryer, whatever. I love that. Like, I don't like the Padres, but like 
I love I love that uniform. And then my favorite uniform um is those green A's uniforms. Ooh. Oh yeah. I love the like that light just, green. Like, the light green, they just pop. You watch them on TV. I I saw them play in person a couple of years ago. They were wearing those. And I was just like, man, that is just as you would put it, a crispy uniform. I love it. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably my favorite. Um, and then least favorite is the Padres camo. <laughs> so bad. Like, and I and it's like they they wear them for like a good, it's like, oh yeah, it's like they wear them on Sundays for the military or navy or whatever. And it's like that's a good reason, but God, they're just they're hideous. Also, shout out Tommy Garber. He replied to the Daisy Cutter uh, podcast Twitter uh, with his favorite and least favorite uniform. So just want to go give, give a quick shout out. He had the Padres camos on the worst <laughs> list as well. So glad to see we're aligned. And thanks for thanks for following us, Tommy. Yeah, San Diego, you're right. It kind of depends on the day with them. You know, after they can see him run out of the dugout, are we going to look good or are we going to look terrible? Because they do have a good wide variety. I like those picks. I'm going to go A's were one of my top three as well. I love those light greens. Those are just the cursive athletics. It's classic. Also, the fact that team always rocks white cleats is just another, again, aspect of crispiness to, to Oakland. So I've always been a fan of Oakland. I think most baseball fans are. Um, Toronto. Again, I've always liked our neighbors of the North um, in all sports. And really, I, for me, it's the colors are fine. Everything's normal, but it's the font that's really like distinct to me. Like the Toronto font where it has like a little bit of outlining in the middle that's missing. It just looks cool. It looks classic. Um, and again, I just have always enjoyed their uh, their logo as well. And then the other team who I'm actually, I think, probably my favorite. And Rodgers, I'm sorry. I know they're a division rival of yours. But uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, man. Like the Cardinals perched on the bat. Um, plus, they have like the great baby blue, powder blue ones they run out there every once in a while. The Cardinals to me have always been just an amazing looking team and they're usually good. So it's like it's fun to watch a good team and a good looking team. Um, but the one team to me that is just gross and I don't understand what they're trying to do with their unis. I think they have one of the best logos in baseball. I've always been a fan of their logo, but the Diamondbacks, it, it's there's like for me, there's two ways you go with baseball jerseys. Like, and you, and you mentioned it, BP, like the Dodgers, classic look. Like, haven't changed anything. My Tigers, some way, classic look. We have not changed a thing. We only have two jerseys. We don't have, like, even alternate jerseys. The Diamondbacks have five unis. All of them are just kind of like, eh. They try to have, like, a modern, cool tip. They remind me of the new Atlanta Falcon jerseys in the NFL. They came in trying to look cool, modern, different type of type. And it just doesn't work. There's no nothing exciting about them. The color scheme's a little odd. And also, like, that team kind of stinks. So you're like, do I really want to get, like, diamonds back here? No. I I think the worst thing about the Diamondbacks uniform is that it says D-backs on yes. it. Yes. It's, like, it's so close to being just a D-bag. Like, right. You're, right. Already, like, people already call them, like, oh, the D-bags, like, like kind of jokingly. And you're just, like, calling it out even more on your jersey. Like, and... They're like retro jerseys, like the jerseys used to have, like in the early 2000s, were Amazing. so Amazing. so good. And now it's 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 the, the same as the it's like the Padres. It's like yeah, they have these like really good uniform. Like Padres went back to the classics, but it's like you have these weird like just to like change for change sake, and they're like oh, it's just weird. Yeah. I, I'm in agreement. I don't I don't like them. Um, but I, I do want to touch also Blue Jays. By the way, yeah, they wear can the Canada Day jerseys like oh. the red. Those, yes. are, those are so nice. I love those. Um, and they've got the big old maple, like red hat, maple leaf. Oh, those are, love that. I love those. I love those. 
the one other team too that I, I'm not a huge fan of their unis, um, and not really a huge fan of them in general because they're cheaters. But uh, but Houston, I, I think they have a cool color scheme, and it could be really cool in terms of like what they could do with it. But the font they choose for like Houston and the Astros is like the most generic easy like it's like a high school font like there's nothing to it like I, it just kind of gross to me and it could be so awesome but they just kill it with just again the font in the middle it's like it's like they don't do anything you know right like, and, and it's like where you know where it's the tigers and dodgers like yeah it's because they've had the same uniform for forever for 50 60 years probably more astros it's like that's like that's what you came up with like right. i mean that's like the thought that i have and then it's just like i don't know astros it's like it's it's too short of a word so it doesn't really like co- go across it's just weird and i do their old uniforms like the orange stripe those are kind of cool kind of yeah kind of <laughs> my favorite <laughs> tommy shout out tommy again he, he said that the numbers were like dick numbers and i didn't realize what he was talking about <laughs> if you pull up a picture of it the number is on their pants like right on their groin it's oh, the really? weirdest thing i never even saw that and i like it was just the weirdest thing and if you pull i have a picture pulled up now it's the weirdest thing i don't understand why the number is right there it's so weird so that, that takes that uniform to like an okay uniform to like what are you thinking uniform right very quick it that is you nailed it too bp with jerseys it's like when a team in any sport not just mlb when a team comes out with new unis sometimes it amazes me where who signed off on this like you couldn't come up with anything cooler but i don't know maybe hire, hire us we'll give you some you know jersey ideas for anyone who's looking yeah we'll um we'll just we'll give our two cents on it um but yeah, I think that's, I mean, was there anything else you wanted to, to touch on before we, we send it over to the, the interview? No, that was an easy rundown this week. Again, we wanted to make sure we gave plenty of time for everyone to enjoy the entire interview um, with Nick and Pat of the Good Guys Talk Back podcast. Please follow them, give them a listen. Uh, they were great. We're looking forward to hopefully having them back on at some other point. But uh, like we said, enjoy the interview. Less than two weeks until the baseball season starts, the real season starts. Um, And we'll be sure to talk to you guys next week in episode five. Love it. And happy birthday, Rogers. Happy birthday, Mr. Rogers. Okay. We're here with Nick and Pat from the good guys talk back podcast. Uh, If you're a white Sox fan, you got to listen to these guys. What's going on, fellas. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Thank thank you so much, man. This is great. Love talking baseball, love talking socks. This is going to be awesome. Looking forward to it, gentlemen. Yeah, we're excited. I want to off the top. Uh, do you think that the White Sox have a leader in the clubhouse that can replace Drake LaRoche for Adam Eaton? <laughs> um, uh, go ahead, Pat. I mean, bring you, up uh, all the in the pre-show we were talking about Andy Dalton. Now we're bringing up Jake LaRoche. <laughs> Man, I, I wasn't prepared for Jake LaRoche right off the bat. No, there's a there's a Nick Swisher bobblehead that I think somebody still keeps in the clubhouse. You could refer to that as the leader. <laughs> Instead of Drake Lowe's, both equal, both equal in terms of leadership. In in the in the terms of weird stories and weird things that have happened oh, to this organization over the years, that had to be one of the the oddest like conglomeration of weirdness that 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 ever happened. You have a, a mediocre team, and the biggest controversy was over somebody's kid, and it was. Reliving and, those and, days, and, and Adam Eaton stood up for Drake Reloach. He's like, we need him. You know, yeah. he, he, that was a huge loss when we when he, when he got sent packing. I don't know what we're gonna do. And now he's now he's back with the club. So I'd love to pick his brain on that. 
the clown car of events. Holy Lord. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, so funny. Uh, no, I'm first, first real. We can talk about the actual White Sox. Um, I think it's, you know, the White Sox are our top five uh, in terms of World Series odds this year. Um, what do you think could cause this team to stumble? They really don't have a lot of holes if you look at this roster, both at the big league level and guys that they can call up and rely on later this year. So, like in your term, in, in, in your eyes, where do you think this team could potentially kind of, where are the pitfalls, if any? I'll, I'll let Nick go first because I know exactly what he's going to say. And I will take the opposite point. So, Nick, go ahead and talk about pitching. Yeah, well, it is pitching, although the depth of the bullpen is outstanding. So if there's a couple arms that have some hiccups throughout the year, which it's going to happen, it's a long season, especially if they get to play 162. Uh, the addition of Kopech and Crochet to have for 162, it, the bullpen is stacked. I think if Gio goes down, if Giolito goes down and he has uh, an off year, I think that can really have some ramifications. Uh, and I will say, we saw a little bit of this last year and I, and Pat and I talked about this before if Tim Anderson goes down and we lose Tim Anderson for an extended period of time, talk about leaders. He is put himself in the top uh, as a clubhouse leader and we need him on base. We need his voice. Uh, I, we can get, we can, you know, we can debate his fielding, but Tim Anderson goes down and that could be a problem as well. You know, there's there's a, a theme that's been going on with this team for a, a little bit here. And it really they've made some improvements, um, you know, obviously this offseason, last offseason. But they really haven't addressed their their defensive woes. Uh, they still are not the strongest team defensively. Aloy Jimenez is um, if he could ever be just adequate in left field, that would be an upgrade. <laughs> um, you've got you've got Luis Robert that's basically playing two positions. He plays center left center and right center. Uh, I'd say you just the aforementioned uh, Tim Anderson, fantastic player. He can put the ball in play and offensively he's going to, he's going to give people fits defensively. I wouldn't say he's an elite defender at short. I mean, he still will, he still will throw some, you know, uh, air mail some over to first base. He's, it seems like when he gives himself too much time, he's, he mm -hmm. has trouble uh, with the routine play. Madrigal, they, you know, we'll see the, the jury of Sibiati, a short sample size with him at second. Moncada, obviously, last year with the COVID, you don't really know uh, how much that affected his, his defense. It wasn't, it wasn't fantastic. Um, some metrics will tell you that Yasmani Grandal is one of the best defensive catchers in the league, but I've saw a lot of gaffes out of him last mm -hmm. year. So mm -hmm. uh, I would say I, I'm I feel pretty confident with most of what they had. Nick, Nick hit the nail on the head with the bullpen. I'm, I am more optimistic with the starting five after you get past, you know, Lynn at number three, than maybe some people are. So I would say that the biggest hole they have is their defense. Let's talk about geo for a second too. I know um, Rogers and I picked him to win the side young thoughts on him going into the season thoughts on him winning that award potentially in 2021. Uh, it, it's a great pick. Uh, I, I think he has come out, uh, especially this off season and uh, in spring, and he's so vocal with his confidence. He, he knows his stuff and he, he knows what happened last year, not only to him personally, but to this team where the team is built. Um, he's only gotten better. Uh, that, that's a great pick. I mean, worst to first. I mean, 2018, he's the worst pitcher in all of baseball. He does his homework. He's very cerebral. He, he looks at video. He gets some outside help. 
one of the guys that he was seeking help from is now our pitching coach in Ethan Katz. So that's going to work out really well uh, for his progression this year. If you've looked at, you know, any of his numbers and any of his starts this spring, they are on point. He's in midseason form. He's hungry. He's got something to prove. And I think that's also, you know, the mantra of this team. We have not won anything yet. We are hungry. And, and he's the front runner for that. And he becomes quite a leader, you know, in that clubhouse, you know, so it seems like when he says things, when Tim Anderson says, uh, says things and when Abreu says things, people follow him and uh, he's been able to back it up. And you got to just love, you know, the story of Lucas Giolito and, and Nick touched on it going from one of the worst pitchers in all of baseball in terms of ERA and uh, however many innings they have, to, you know, decide that you have to be the worst. <laughs> to, to, to quantify it. So to go from there to what he's done, um, you know, I, I think what really said I've arrived as far as a, a, a top echelon ace pitcher was his performance last year against the A's in the playoff game where he, he was throwing mm -hmm. base. I think it was, it was a perfect game through six innings. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could be wrong on the number of innings, but I mean, it was perfect. And uh, he's got, he's got it, you know, when you look at a guy and you just say that guy's got it. Lucas Giolito has it, and uh, and the sky's the limit for him. Whether he wins the Cy Young or not, he'll still be, I think, probably, you know, top six or or, or five in, in voting if you know if all goes you know according to plan. So, yeah, and he, Nick touched on this, but um, and sorry to cut you off. I was just gonna say what excites me a lot about the White Sox this year is what you just said is the humbling and like they're hungry for this year. I think the A's series last year did a lot for this team's like we're going to like hunker down and go get it in 2021. I think that series, they, I think they got a little ahead of themselves as the young up and coming team and the A's kind of, you know, took it to them. But now like, I think they're ready in 2021, which is super exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. And really it was the last couple of weeks of the season. I mean, they were coasting into the playoffs and uh, you know, Cleveland put them in their place. And, and then we get a lower seed. We don't have a home playoff series. And, uh, you know, Giolito spoke to that in the offseason, too. And he said, look, you have to put your foot on their throat and not let up. And that is the missing edge for several years with this ball club. And for him to say it, not Abreu, uh, not Anderson, but for Giolito to say that as a pitcher. And now, you know, he's going to get the ball for the second year in a row for opening day. That was a, that was a big deal. And it's a lot of the big reason why you talk about the edge, the reason why Tony Roos is our manager is because it, we needed a certain edge. And that's why we brought in guys like Lance Lynn. And that's why we brought back an Adam Eaton. We need mm. a little bit of edge, a little bit of nasty on this team. So, yeah, I feel so bad for Rick Renteria. He's just like the consistently the like, I'm going to take this team from nothing to, you know, potentially good. And then they kick him out. Have with the Cubs too. He's just got, he just never gets to see it to fruition. You know, I thought, uh, you know, uh, Detroit Nick. Do you mind if I just call you Detroit Nick? Of course. Um, I thought Ricky Renteria was going to be a perfect manager for you guys. You know, I did you're, too. You're, you're, you're trying to, to build up a team, get them to play a certain way, and then you hand off to a, to a manager that's proven that can take them over the line. I mean, you can't, you're not going to complain for who you got now as a manager, but Ricky Renteria, I think he'll manage again. Uh, but a team has to say, look, we know this guy isn't going to finish the job for us, but we need him. And Ricky, you know this too. You're only going to be around for a couple of years to, to get a club. Uh, maybe he doesn't want that, but that's his, that's his MO right now. 
Yeah, it, he what Ricky did really well was he brought guys together. He he brought in a good culture, uh, and you never heard yeah. about oh yeah, you know, you know things happening in the clubhouse. I'm sure every team has something happen in the clubhouse, but you never heard uh, you know a bad word. But it, it seemed like the team was always together, regardless mm-hmm. of the fact if they were you know losing 100 games that season or not. Unfortunately for Ricky, he's like you know the rebound girl, and then and then and then you move on and you marry the next one. So, so Ricky Renteria is the rebound. Yeah. I, um, I know like for AJ Hinch too, I think I, I like the move for AJ Hinch to go to Detroit. Uh, me and Nick already talked about this, but I think it's like the perfect spot to be like, just disappear for a few years. Like, you know, you're coming back <laughs> from the scandal, like what better yeah. play? Like I think he went to the white Sox. It would have been the question asked ever after every game would be like yeah. on the cheating scandal. And I think going to Detroit, it's like, all right, like, the funniest thing was that when they they sent the press release out about about Larusa, they mistakenly put AJ. Mm-hmm. Didn't they? Didn't it right? Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. Right, I had it. Yeah, it was a watermark. Yeah, it was yeah. right there. They put the wrong name on there. It's like all of a sudden it's like, wait, we're really doing this with? Yeah, well, at least they, they didn't pull a Trevor Bauer and just like hire AJ Hinch then because of some like <laughs> random interns mistake. Did you guys see that about the Dodgers? No. So supposedly, well, we'll get back to White Sox. So supposedly Trevor Bauer almost chose the Mets because someone on his merchandise website accidentally set the Mets merch live. So rather than be embarrassed and come out, he was just like, I'm just going to go to the Mets now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah, It's a crazy guy. I, well, I'm sorry. I'm halfway through that MVP machine and he is, uh, Trevor Bauer is, he's out there, man. I mean, he gets results, but boy, he's out there. He's a goof. Too much for me. Too what about me. what about Larusa too? I mean, you guys just touched on him. Um, that was one of our questions for you as well. Was yeah. thoughts of him taking over the team and being the manager? So, uh, okay, we Pat and I, and I'm going to let Pat. Pat and I, I think, have both kind of come along this in different journeys, and now I think we're in the same spot. But at the beginning, it was it was just earth shattering. I mean, you couldn't comprehend it, and. I think what was so frustrating is that you've got a guy like Han that I think is just coming off like executive of the year. He's been entrusted by Jerry Reinsdorf to tear down this proud franchise, rebuild it, make the moves he's been making, you know, and then you didn't let him finish the job. I mean, that is not a Rick Han hire. LaRusse is not a Han guy. That's a Reinsdorf guy all the way through. So Han didn't get to do his due diligence. He didn't get to do, you know, his job. And that, that really rubbed me the wrong way because I believed in what Han was doing. So if you don't trust Han then to finish it, why is Han sticking around? I wouldn't be surprised if Han leaves in a year or two and just says, you know what? Hey, I did what I did and I'm looking for another, I'm looking for another opportunity. Uh, but I've come around to Larusa. you know, I, how can you not three world series, one of the most winning managers of all time. He's hungry for baseball. He wants to get back at it. He knows what he has. And uh, you hear nothing but positive things from from young guys, uh, you know, veterans and previous players of you're going to want to play for this guy. He wants to win, whether it's March uh, or if it's the last week in September. Yeah. I, when I first heard of it, it was I was very troubled. It was a day like today <laughs> about, like, with the Andy Dalton signing. I, I, just, I couldn't understand it. I we, we had heard rumors for a while from bad news, Bob Nightingale, like anything that Bob Nightingale <laughs> puts out about the Sox, it's just like bad things. Like uh, get your hopes up. Cause it's never going to happen. It's like, thanks a lot, Bob Nightingale, you jerk. 
So, um, so and when this happened and he's Bob Nightingale's is like, be ready. This is going to happen. It's like, if Bob Nightingale's saying it, then it's going to happen. Um, and I thought, how can you bring this guy in? He's, he's disconnected from the game. He hasn't managed in 11 years. Yeah. He was, he's a hall of fame guy. And then all the stuff with the, the DUIs came out shortly after that. And it was a really, it was odd, but I'll tell you what, and his, and his first interview, his first zoom interview was like, somebody had to like poke him with a stick, I think to wake yeah. him up. It's like, he's like, yeah. ah, I'm, I'm really excited. It's like, geez. You he looked see. like he was captive. Like he was held captive. Yeah. Yes. Uh, like blink yeah. twice if you're, if yeah. you're okay. <laughs> exactly. um, but you know what? He's, it seems like his energy level. Now we'll have to see how it, you know, pans out over 162 games, but it seems like now that he's in camp, his like energy level is an all time high. You hear nothing but good things from the players about him. Um, you know, the, the whole thing about, well, he's old, so he must be old school and he won't let people be who they are. You forget who he managed when he was with the Oakland A's. You forget mm -hmm. who he managed when he was with the, the Cardinals and the Cardinals had a you know, cardinal way. But when you get endorsements from guys like Albert Pujols and other players that have played for him, you know, that, that was, that was enough for me. And now seeing what he's done in spring training, now the winds aren't there, but that's, that's not, that's a moot yeah. point in my opinion, yeah. you know, what he's doing now and, and the, the people that he surrounded himself with, yeah. you know, you can get, you can get a younger perspective from a, a pitching coach like Ethan Katz. He's got a strong bench. He's always been an analytical guy. He was mm -hmm. always been ahead of his time in terms of how to use a bullpen. So I'm excited. The only thing I worry about is can he keep that energy level up? And, yeah. and the difference between now and 11 years ago is the media responsibilities. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, Hey, you're talking to a couple beat guys after the game. You, you may have responsibilities for a weekly hit on, on the radio or, you know, whatever else they, they've got to do. It's, it's a different media world than it was 11 years ago. So I'm excited about it just you know, because I've come around on it. Initially, it was like, I, I, don't yeah. know, I, I can't even wrap yeah. my brain around this. Yeah. Um, one, you know, we, the guys we keep mentioning, I think, are like Tim Anderson, uh, Jose Abreu, Lucas Giolito. Who's someone that you guys think that we should, like, keep an eye out for that maybe not as many people, like, are aware of um, outside of, like, White Sox fandom? Uh, you know, one guy that I, I think folks are aware of him, but he has really not had a breakout season yet is Mankata. Yohan Mankata was uh, injured and hurt last year. Uh, he suffered. He went through COVID, and I don't think we all knew exactly enough about um, COVID and, and, and the after effects and the fog that people talk about. And he, he, you know, he was really suffering and to, to just to know that he was still playing and, and productive. I mean, not, not what we are accustomed to, or we know that what his potential is, but if he is right and his swing is right and his timing's right and his legs stay healthy, you're looking at a guy that can finish in the top five MVP um, without a doubt. His fielding has gotten so much better. He's hitting better from the right side, you know, left is left is his sweet spot. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's going to fly under the radar of other teams, but they might sleep on him a little bit because you've got to worry about Robert, Aloy, Abreu, and Anderson. And if Mankata can kind of, you know, hide in the weeds a little bit and get going, I, I mean, he's going to hit well over three, 300. You know, he might hit, you know, 20, 25 home runs. He can get his 100 RBIs. I mean, he is going to be a force, um, I feel, if he could stay healthy. 
and I'll say, you know, just because it's become such a, an important position now in, in baseball today is that eighth inning guy and Aaron bummer. Yeah. I mean, Aaron bummer is, is probably your closer on most teams. Mm-hmm. And he was, I thought he would be the closer on this team until they signed Liam Hendricks of $54 million, which was, uh, I, I, I was shocked, kind of somewhat shocked by that because I thought why spend your money on, on him when you've got a, a guy that you, th- I thought was the heir apparent uh, uh, to take over that, that closing position. But you look at the back end of that bullpen. If you have a, again, think bullpens can be finicky. You know, you could one year, they could be great. The next year, you, God knows what they could be. But uh, I think they have the three of the top 10 guys uh, mm-hmm. as far as bullpen yeah. guys on this team, Aaron Bummer being one of them. So uh, that's who I would take. That eighth inning is so important to kind of lock that down. It's almost yeah. like closing out the eighth inning and then you get to the ninth with with Liam Hendricks. So that would be the guy that I would say most people aren't, wouldn't talk about your eighth inning reliever, but um, that, that would be who I would choose. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to see what Larusa does with this bullpen management. They have so mm-hmm. many guys that just throw absolute gas. Uh, and especially with Kopech, I believe is starting the year off, like yeah. at least in the a, a major league bullpen, this is, you know, interesting as he comes back from injury and, and how they're going to use him out of the pen um, to that point. Like they don't necessarily have, a fifth starter that you're like super, super, super confident in. So like, what do they do with that? Um, in Kopech, I, I don't know. In Crochet, like coming back from in, like injury, I think is really interesting. Yeah, I, I think what you'll see with Kopech, and uh, it, was pretty sh- it was pretty surprising that they dropped that news so early. It's very anti-Sox for them to leak information out kind of ahead of time. Um, you'll see, I mean, he needs innings. Uh, he just needs to get innings at the major league uh, level. And if Rodon sputters, which he's been having a pretty sharp spring, but it's spring, I have no faith in Lopez. So if if Rodon sputters, I feel like you will see Kopech eventually slip into that fifth starter spot. Uh, But that's another name that I think a lot of, uh, you know, baseball fans just forgot about because he hasn't been around in almost two years. Uh, So if he's healthy again, and if he's right and he's got a focus and he's got a thirst and desire um, he's got all the skills in the world, uh, a guy like Kopech. I think, uh, you know, for Michael Kopech, you, you, in, in a lot of cases, you know, people coming back from injury, there's, there's precedence that you can look back to like, oh, we can model his coming back to this guy that did th- this way. You have a, a guy that comes back from Tommy John and then he opts out of a season because of COVID and doesn't basically pitch for two years that's you don't really have any kind of basis to say okay here's the plan because it worked for that guy so I think putting me in the bullpen and and letting him just air it out when he's out there and get his innings up Mm -hmm. because right now he's probably more of a thrower than a pitcher Mm -hmm. and and if you're just telling him okay you can empty the tank out here for two or three batters you know throw almost 100 try and throw it through the catcher's you know chest fantastic you don't have to worry about trying to manage his way through six innings so i think it'll be a good thing uh to have him start out in the pen and then we'll see we'll see how the year goes we'll see how his arm reacts and and they'll probably be extremely cautious with him which is fine and maybe they'll they'll you know maybe they will send him down to get his build his arm strength up at some point you know and then bring him back who knows there's a lot of different ways they can go with this but I, i like the idea of of having him be a bullpen piece for now yeah, and I don't know if the White Sox have uh, determined yet how they're going to um, 
sell tickets, like how people can actually acquire tickets. I think that they should let fans get in line to try to get a ball and play off a of Kopech. Get his arm <laughs> repetitions up, just let him chuck it. And you could also maybe do a little scouting from the, you know, the fans. If anyone can get a ball and play tickets. If, if, they, if that's the case, then I'm fine sitting on my couch because uh, <laughs> I don't think I would, I don't think I'd want to risk my life. You don't think, Pat, if you said, if Kopech said to you, look, I'm just pumping fastballs and I'm not going to do anything crazy. You don't think with maybe 20 swings, you can maybe get something just like, you know, you are aware that the, the most <laughs> like you know, athletic ability I had growing up was bowling. You know, that there's, there's, there's not any, there's, there is no like, Oh, Pat, you played, you know, high school ball. You should be fine. That, that, it's not going to happen. You know, I think I could I, get I learned, something. I, I learned everything I knew about baseball and, and the mechanics of hitting from Hawk Harrelson watching on TV. <laughs> I, I was not, uh, I was not an athlete. So you could, I, I know there is no chance for me. None. I mean, I really, there's like, hey, I have no chance either, but I would gamble on myself and I would I, say, yeah, I, I'll get in line. I'll I would gamble that I'd wet myself first. Like, <laughs> Oh, good. I had 20 to one that I'd pee my pants and I did. Now, he might slip and you might catch one in the ear hole, but I'm just saying, if he just says, I'm just well, throwing, do, do I just have balls. to get on? Do I just have to get on base? I mean, I maybe just oh, in play, just a ball in play, just a ball in play. Well, no, I mean, I love how, how your confidence <laughs> that is. Still matter. You're going to get a hit. I love that confidence. <laughs> <laughs> that going to happen. Uh, let's talk about the AL real quick too. I know this podcast, we're big on the Sox. A couple of us picked them to go to the World Series, even win the World Series. Who do you look at as the biggest threats in the AL and AL Central to maybe you know, be a problem? Pat, you want to go first? Sure. It's For us, it's always the Twins. Uh, no, no offense to the Tigers, uh, but the Twins have been a thorn in my side my entire life. Um, it, the Twins have always been a team that somehow – can uh, bunt a grand slam, uh, you know, in the, in the old days, it was like somehow, oh, it's in the baggie or it's off the light stanchions and twins win again. It's like, how, how, did, how did, and yeah. I thought, oh, they're, they're out of the metro, they're out of the metrodome now, they're at target field, things will change. No, nothing ever changes because they're just scrappy and they know how to be an annoyance. So uh, as far as in the central, it's always, it's always the twins. Um, but you know, it's always a dogfight with every team in the division, you know, it doesn't really outside of that, you know, even years that, you know, the Royals were, were uh, the doormat uh, of the division. They, we, they, we always had trouble with the Royals. Um, and then I'd say in the greater, in the, you know, the grander scheme of, of the, of the league, it's probably the Yankees, um, you know, as far as, as what we're looking at there, um, as far as a powerhouse in the, in the AL, I'd say you've got more of powerhouse situation and uh, in the national league with the Dodgers and, and the Padres, uh, that'll be interesting to see how that goes. But um, yeah, I, that's, that's where I would go central. It's gotta be twins. And then overall AL, I would say the Yankees. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I agree with Pat with the division stuff. I mean, it's stuff we've been harping on for so many years when your division. Win, win those April May games, those gritty games against the Royals, against the Indians, against Minnesota, when we play them in May. Minnesota, uh, we haven't won anything. You know, Minnesota's standing in our way, and we need to step on them and step over them. And then, and then I could start worrying about some of the other teams in the AL. I mean, you know, Toronto's made some great moves. I mean, you know, an A in the offseason, they spent money. I don't know if their pitching's there. 
I think Houston still has enough to make, you know, another push uh, in, in their division for sure. And then anything can happen, but yeah, it, it's the Yankees, the team that, you know, was supposed to probably be there the last, you know, last year with the money that they're throwing around, but can they stay healthy? You know, can guys like judge and, and Stanton stay healthy? So I, I mean, the short answer is the twins. It's like zero in on them. They are in our crosshairs and, and I would like to see them, six games behind us, you know, come, come late September. I'm so yeah. not comfortable with six games. It's gotta be, <laughs> it's gotta be like a 30 game lead before <laughs> I am comfortable with where the twins are. As an AL central guy, I'm with the twins are that stingy team that just hangs around. They're not, they don't have star power by any means, but they just can, they can win. That's what they do real quick too. Again, Tigers are probably a couple years away. But I just want to get your guys' AL Central guys' thoughts on the Tigers, where we're at now, in the future. I like your arms. I mean, you guys have got some young arms, man. You've drafted well. I mean, that's the game. Play that game. Um, and it doesn't always work out that way. But you're, you're kind of what we were studying a couple of years ago with Kopech and, and Giolito and Lopez and Dunning. We had, this, we had these young arms, and unfortunately, like, you know, Tommy John took care of some of them, but uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see some of those guys. Was it Mize? Um, yep. You know, I, I mean, there, there's some arms there that I'm a little worried about. And of course, you know, to see what Hinch can do with that ball club, but that's what you do. You know, you, you just, you, you kind of hang in there and, and you, you build a culture. And uh, though, if you could get, if you can get the pitching figured out, I think that's the hardest part. Yeah. I, I, You've got the pitching going. That's, that's fantastic. Especially in that ballpark, a big ballpark, you, you, right. you have a pitching staff that, you know, you can get a lot of help from uh, because of that ballpark. I would say, enjoy this ride, enjoy this, this portion of the rebuild where it's like, there's not a lot of expectation, but you get to start to see like, Oh, this guy's coming up today and this, they're going to feature this guy. And this is going to be a, a a guy that we can look forward to down the road. He's going to be a star. And then you can start thinking, okay, uh, we have a stockpile here or, or, or a log jam here. Now we can start moving pieces and acquiring things. When you get to that, when you get to those types of conversations as a fan, it's fun because yeah, you don't have to really have the anxiety about expecting a whole lot and you can just start them, start to watch the team come together. Now you get to the point like where, where Nick and I are at, where we're going to be sitting on the edge of our seats every game and, you know, texting I already each am. Other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nick's already pissed that, you know, we, we're not, <laughs> undefeated in spring training. So, um, yeah, I would say it's, it's, it's a fun on the way up type of situation, but you know, it's hard to sustain it, you know, and, and, you know, as far as, you know, a Cubs fan would, would understand this, nothing to throw anything at, at the Cubs in a bad way, but I would think that as a Cubs fan, you wanted more than one during this, during this time. Right. And, and yeah, the, the playoffs were always there and it, it was it turned into a perennial playoff team, but you just, you just long for more and you almost feel like, you know, disheartened that it wasn't more, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I think the weird, the weird thing that I'm at in my Cubs fandom is like, this is when I thought the Cubs would be good. Like Javi is 27, Chris Bryant's 28. Like they're all like, should be the, this should be the peak. This should be the mm -hmm. prime, but yeah. they've actually regressed over the last five years, which is very bizarre. Um, yeah. with probably for another podcast and another, I need a couple more, I need a couple more beers to have that conversation. Um, cause they are actively trying to make me hate that team right now. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, you guys were talking about expectations and kind of like having that anxiety now, like what are your expectations for the Sox in 2021? Um, and if you give us a bold prediction, each would be, would, would be fun. I, my, our bold prediction episode was last week and I said Eloy Jimenez would be top five MVP voting was my. Interesting. Wow. Wow. Um, I, I mean, I would say that, I mean, you got to go beyond division. This team absolutely is built to win the division and they're, and they're built to make it to the, you know, the AL championship. Um, you know, a, a bold, a bold prediction is, is world series. Um, I, I really do think that I, I could see them going to the ALCS, um, you know, if everybody stays healthy um, and then, and then I would, I would jump on, you know, Nick, I would say, you know, Giolito Cy Young. Um, I think, Julio Cy Young and and Cease, you know, I can see Cease into the upper double digit wins. I mean, that would be a bold prediction too. I, I he's he is ready for a comeback breakout season. Uh my bold, well, my prediction for the season is I think they're what is their over under somewhere around 88, 89, 90, somewhere in there. If you're if you're looking, depending on what uh, you're looking at, I'll say my pro, my bold prediction is or, or where they're going to finish the year in terms of wins. I'm looking at 95 wins, which is, wow. is, is, you know, it's healthy a good amount of wins. It's healthy. Um, but I think that's what it's going to take to overcome the twins. I think you're going to need every one of those wins to beat the twins because they're not going anywhere and they certainly haven't got worse. I know that they've gotten a lot better. Um, as far as I, I, I feel confident that they're going to win a, a, a series, like a playoff series. I just don't know if this is the year that they just kind of take that little step, you know, as far as last year, we got to the playoffs this year, we win a series. And then next year is really the year that we are a true, I think they can contend. I think they can get to the world series and they certainly could win it. If, if the chips fall the right way and health and all that stuff. But uh, I guess my bold prediction would be, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but whatever whatever their record is for runs in a in a season, this will be the this is the year that they break their record in terms of runs scored. So can I also say that Jose Abreu is not going to go down uh, easy. I, I could see him vying for for a back to back MVP season. That is crazy at his age. He should be regressing, but uh, he defies all odds. And I think there is something in him that he will not go down quietly. And I could see him having another great great year. Yeah, and I think if Tim Anderson struggles at short, they could move Jose over there. I think he played shortstop in Cuba. Um, <laughs> I know it was probably a decade ago, but yeah, they, they might have to get him on some footwork drills and, and maybe uh, <laughs> maybe a different type of meal plan. But yeah, that's fine. I also I just want to call out that like every time Pat has mentioned the twins, I just see like real fear in his eyes of just like <laughs> it's just like they have to get ninety five wins because of the twins. It's just like uh, I it's see real. It. It's just, it's real. I mean, we're talking like 2008 watching like Nick Punto, like make a, you know, he had like a dribbling, you know, bunt single that he turned into a triple and we lost a critical game in Minnesota that we needed. It was just on and on those Ron Gardenhire teams. Oh man, did they just fester? Uh, it, it uh, and, and Detroit's not off the hook because in 2006, we had an outstanding team. This Sox team should have went right back and won the division. And you guys just put together one heck of a year in 2006. We, the 2006 Sox won 90 games, and we didn't win the division. It was crazy. And I believe we were in first at the midway point in the season. And we yeah. had a great start to the year. And then 
Oh, bad things happen. So, yeah. which is <laughs> it's baseball. Yeah, it's yeah baseball. it is. It is. That's Weird the beauty things of the happen. Game. Yeah. Yeah. When um, you play a game for nine months, something is bound to potentially yeah. go wrong. Yeah. I, I like the teams that just like always start off like 21 and five or something. Then they like the Mariners a couple years back, then they didn't make the playoffs. Um, one thing, you know, Rogers here is huge Cubs fan. Uh, would love you guys to like compare, describe white, white Sox fans to Cubs fans. And then can you make an argument as to why White Sox fans are the best baseball fans in Chicago? Pat, you, you, do you want to go or do you want me to start? I think you should and... go. I think that, I think otherwise they might look, run out of tape. Look, first things first, it, it, when you have this conversation with somebody, you have to get somebody's background. You have to say, where did you grow up? Where did you live? You know, or a lifelong. Cause what I run into is I run into Cubs fans that are transplants. They went to university or college in the Midwest, and then they moved to Chicago for their first job in their early twenties with four other roommates in Wrigleyville or Roscoe village or Wicker park. And it was just the thing, you know, you went to Cubs games, you bought a shirt somewhere on Clark street <laughs> and you know, you did it. You did that thing in the bleachers, you know, when you went, it, it, so I, that's okay. That's fine. And all there are some passionate Cub fans that are lifelong Cubs. And Pat and I have a few of those that are very knowledgeable. So I'm, I'm, you know, this is broad strokes. The Sox fans are generational Sox fans for the most part, and they are in the game and they're suffering in the game. They are not going uh, to the South side for any other reason, but to probably drink and grill in the parking lots you know, and uh, have, you know, there's a couple watering holes that are ancient and they're watching this team, you know, live and die. Um, and, and those are, you know, generally the two kind of, you know, how we fit in. The stadiums are low hanging fruit. I mean, the, the Wrigley, Sox Park, how, what, what name is your stadium now? Oh, great. You're only going to allow in 8,000 fans. That's about average for you guys, right? This year, that's all low hanging uh, fruit. It really is. Uh, I feel like the Cubs problem for many years is the Bears problem is fans just went to that stadium and they didn't give a crap about what was going on with that team. They were just going in because it was an experience. Again, just a generalization. So that is what I see. I see Cub fans. Uh, Cubs are like the Billy Joel of baseball, right? And and the Sox are, you know, I, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, uh, you know, that's about, that's about as scientific as I can get, Pat. Do you want to, do you want to? I'll tell you guys this. I, I, my, uh, I, I've tempered a little bit over the years. Nick and I met in college and do you guys remember the scene from Step Brothers? We all said we were Sox fans and, uh, and we, we became friends in college and, and Nick and I, I think we're uh, ushered out or asked to leave many bars because of many Cubs Sox arguments we got in at the time that were probably overserved at the, at the time as well. Sure. And it was a very passionate, uh, I would say, borderline hatred towards vile fans. And uh, as you grow up and you, and you, 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 you know, pop out, uh, well, not me, but my wife pops out a couple of like four kids, your, your, your life and your perspective changes a little bit. Um, you know, I have an appreciation for anybody that has a, a passion for their team, uh, but I don't have a, a, a very much of appreciation for people that don't. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. None of us are, none of you guys are, are Yankees fans. This is, this is how I sum up Sox fans, just real quick. 
I was talking to a Yankees fan and, you know, it's, it's like, okay, why are you Yankees fan? Oh, because of all your world series championships, you've won big deal. And I said, tell me who your PA announcer, tell me who your organist is and your head groundskeeper, tell me their names. And he goes, <laughs> what are you talking about? And he goes, well, I said, Sox fans, every Sox fan I know can name those three people by name right now. So you're not a real fan. And that's how I determine <laughs> what White Sox fans are. Because those stupid things, because we really haven't had stars to root for in our lives, we agree, we in, we endear ourselves to a Nancy Faust that was our organist for 41 years. Roger Bossard, uh, who's been the, who's the sod father, who's uh, redone stadiums all over the place because he's fantastic. And Gene Honda, who's just got the best, you know, pipes in the business. And you'll hear him uh, in college basketball because he's, he's, He's so great during the final four. So those that's why the, the that's why Sox fans, in my opinion, are fantastic and great because we know these stupid things and we've we've uh, we love everything that is that is the the team, not just uh, the players on the field. So you had also asked uh, why, why should somebody, um, you know, pick up some Sox merch, root for the Sox. Um, you know, the Sox are a gritty, scrappy underdog team. We're underappreciated. We're overlooked uh, nationally, locally. Um, you know, it, it's a regional thing. Chicago is, you have to understand, it is split. I mean, we are, are anointed North Sider or South Sider for a reason. Um, you know, the media does this. I mean, it, when, when we play into it. And, you know, it. I feel like South Side in general just, gets you know gets a little angry that you know everybody flocks to the north side you know if you're if you're trying to feature the chicago in a movie or in a tv show it's up on the north side and we've got a bit of an edge a bit of a chip on our shoulder um you know it's a you know what how did my parents get into being Sox fans how did my grandparents i mean they weren't working during the day you know it was like they were working at night and uh that's just, you know, how that, that's an aura of, of almost how, so, how Sox fans kind of came to be is that, well, you know, like the blue collarness of the Sox, which is, which is gone. I mean, the stockyards are gone. The steel mills are, are, are gone, but, but that's really um, kind of where that, where that edge I talk about comes from. So I would say if you're looking for a team that, you know, is hungry um, it's got rich history, rich, rich history with some wonderful, you know, uh, I mean, Bill Veck, you know, like the, the exploding scoreboard, you know, some great names, some great history. And uh, they have always just, they've got an edge on their, on their chip on their shoulder because, you know, they are constantly overlooked. Uh, I mean, that, that's the type of team that you're going to back and you're going to follow. I'd be lying to you if I told you that I didn't have the ESPN graphic where they forget the White Sox championships <laughs> saved on my phone um, just to remind uh, my White Sox best friend, you know, uh, once in a while. Yeah, you know, I look, I hey, if which is are, funny. That should if, not be happening on ESPN. <laughs> that is, it, like, it should. Come on, guys. and that happens, and that happens pretty regularly. And you know, if when I travel outside of Chicago, and I and I love to see the Sox in different stadiums. I've been to eighteen different ballparks to try to see the Sox everywhere to play different teams. And I'm in town walking around with my Sox gear. I mean, people don't know, 
what to make of it. They're, they, they're like, why are, why are you here? Or what, what is that logo on your hat? You know, I'm like, oh, well, I'm from Chicago. Like, oh, the Cubs. I'm like, no, they've got another team, the Sox, and they're in your town right now playing your baseball team this weekend. Um, it, it, that stuff just really, it shouldn't get to me, but it does get to me. And uh, I've lived on the north side. I've worked on the north side. I live, I've lived on the south side. There is a difference. There is just an absolute difference. And uh, I just say to people, pick a side. And, and I, if there was a New York fan here, I would love to hear the Yankee Met you know, uh, analogy because I feel like that is the closest we can get in, in, in the sports world, the baseball world, for sure. Fan recently, and he says it's the same way. He says it's very little brother complex, right? You're always fighting for the attention. And, uh, you know, um, it, even, even when the Cubs were the lovable losers, they were more lovable losers than we were. We were just losers. You know, we weren't very lovable apparently. So, you know, it's because uh, we didn't have the Ivy pad and we didn't have, you know, Harry Carey anymore. Yeah, there's no McDonald's. Have, yeah, we, the didn't, we didn't have a celebrity singing the seventh inning stretch. And, you know, we didn't have bleacher bombs and all that fun stuff. You know, we had, we had well, cold, we had cold we had, concrete. Yeah, just, yeah, just actual bums, bums. just yeah, actual yeah, guys. Just hobos. Just it was hobo <laughs> night half the time. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys talking to me and dealing with me. I, uh, hopefully I'm not, I'm not boiling any blood by any no, means. I would no, say no. my, I, I my favorite, good, uh, respectful conversation. I mean, that's my favorite, really my favorite baseball bar is turtles. Yeah. By that, far is like my is, favorite, uh, bar pre baseball game is there's no experience like that. In my opinion. There aren't a lot of them. You got Cork and Carry that's right next to Turtles now. And Cork and Carry used to be Jimbo's a uh, hundred years ago where it was cash. It was canned beers only. It was, uh, you know, they didn't clean. They didn't want to clean. And uh, it, it was, you know, so there's a few of them, but Turtles is a great spot. I, uh, we were down there for Memorial Day weekend. It must have been two, three years ago. There we were there Sunday to watch a day game, and we went to Turtles as soon as it opened, like ten thirty in the morning. We're grabbing beers. Next day we came back and I ordered a Blue Moon, which is a weak beer. I totally understand. We get that's a conversation for another day. But I ordered a Blue Moon, and the owner of the bar was wiping our table, and he was like, "I don't even think we served that." And I was like, "No, I was here yesterday, and I had like nine, so I would love a Blue Moon." And he was like, "Oh, you know, far better than I do." I was like, "I'm just, you know, trying to get." Anyway, it was very funny. Nick, Nick when you were going to a, a lot of Sox games, did you partake in the tailgating? Because I feel like that is pretty unique to Sox Park, too. There aren't a lot of stadiums anymore that feature the tailgating because they're put the stadiums are right in the city with parking garages and they don't have parking lot access. I feel like that's very unique to get there early, grill, throw bags, just enjoy that whole scene. Honestly, not a ton. I did more of that when I was a kid because my uncle would, or like a uh, friend a parent would get a parking pass and we would do the mm -hmm, whole tailgate sure. as an adult when we lived in the city it was more like we all hopped on the red line and would yeah. end up at a bar yeah. for four or five hours before yeah. um but it would be fun to do as an adult but yeah we never really got into that um yeah but i would agree with you there really aren't that many ballparks that you can tailgate it's like the the whatever they're calling the milwaukee brewer stadium now like american life yeah. family miller light stadium or um and then um, Kansas City I mean they've got like the largest parking lot because they share it with Arrowhead it's it's insane um, I, I went to Detroit several years ago I, I didn't see 
a lot of parking I, that could have changed, but um, you know, I di it didn't think like it was a big focus over there at Comerica. Yeah, Comerica is different. It, it's got one parking lot and there's some decent tailgating, but not like the Sox. I will say too, coming into Chicago as a transfer, Midwest transfer too, AL Central guy. I still root for the Sox over the Cubs all day, every day in Chicago. I personally, I hate the Cubs. I hate them. They are the bandwagon team in Chicago. Wrigley's a great time. I've had plenty of blackout times great. in Wrigley. You know, it. It's, Keep it. it's Keep fun. Going. But the Chicago White Sox fans, every game I've gone down south, everybody I've talked to who's an actual fan of the team, diehards. They know their baseball. They're in it. You guys said it perfectly. They are here to watch and enjoy the game. That's it. If you want real baseball, Sox fan. If you want to have a good time, you know, hey, go up to Wrigley. Have a good time. Who gives a shit about the game? But if you want to watch baseball, go down south. It, Bill Burr has truth. a really good rant. Yes. Yeah, Pat, good point. Sox fans. I, YouTube it. It's somewhat hilarious. Even if you're a Cubs fan, you'll, you'll, you'll find some humor in it. And it's a great uh, definition of the difference between. I, I just, I, I think we're at a point here where I, I really do think if it's ever going to flip, if it's ever going to flip to be a Sox town, like this is, this could be the beginning of that. If, if they can figure it out for an extended period of time, I don't know if it'll ever truly flip. You know, this is a bears town first and foremost, but if it could ever flip the Sox way, which it used to decades ago, it used to be a Sox town. This is their the Sox are emerging on that stretch. Yeah, and I think um sorry, right in notes. I think the other thing to like is is Wrigley isn't even really Wrigley anymore. It's it's they got like giant Thank hotels you. and they took away all the parts that made it, you know, like peeing in the street at four o'clock in the morning. Like that doesn't really exist anymore. You know, it's like it's right. like Lincoln Park North. It's just a it, they just it's now just a more expensive. Lincoln Park. <laughs> it's like I, I, years ago, I used to do improv at Improv Olympic, or it's called IO, and I don't even think that exists anymore. And it was on Clark Street next to a Bar Louie and Goose Island, and there was used bookstores and just these hole in the wall coffee shops. And I didn't like being in that neighborhood, but it had some edge to it, it had some grit to it. And when you were out at late at night, you were watching, you're you know turning around, am I going to get pistol whipped? Like it was, it was a scary area over there, and now it's Naperville. You know, it's yeah, they've got exactly. a Chris Kindle market in front of their stadium. You know, it, it's, I mean, come on. Yeah. All I'm right, from what, have... uh, just, yeah, like near Naperville. So that, that hurts, but I would agree with you. <laughs> I am sorry. I am really giving you the business here. <laughs> I don't mean to. I really don't. No, I don't. I don't mind at all. Cause that is a very, very accurate. It's a very accurate representation of the team. Now, please, please give Rogers all the shit that you want. Self-aware. Well, Brian also hates Cubs fans. And like, I'm, I am a very respectful baseball fan. It's part of the reason we started this podcast was just like, I don't like only talking about the Cubs. Yeah. I love baseball. Yeah. I want to talk yeah. about the young guys on every other team, the contenders, yeah. like why people should love every stadium. And like I, Brian and I went to a Dodgers, it was Dodgers, Cubs, uh, NLCS, and the Cubs clinched to go to the World Series against the Dodgers. There was a dude, a Cubs fan, that just poured a beer all over Brian. I was like, this is the worst person Which on like, earth. Yeah. What I a waste of $20. Yeah. yeah, really. Yeah, really. Uh, no, what you guys are doing, I, I love because that's what baseball needs to do. They need to yeah. elevate their stars. They need to, you know, get, get, get the young fans interested um, locally and then nationally. You know, it, it has to happen that way organically. All right. Last question. 
for you guys before we wrap. One of the things we're talking about this week on the pod is best uniforms in baseball. So I want to know what is your favorite White Sox uniform? Man, that's a good question, Pat. Uh, well, what they have now, I, I love, and they, they moved to this, you know, this, the, the, the SOX cross the, the, the left side of the, of the Jersey, you know, I don't know what, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I believe in 91 or late in 90, they, they started to work on it. And then when they knew, moved to the new ballpark, they, they went full time with it. Um, I, I, I enjoy that um i i've always i've, I've kind of liked the 83 throwbacks but i think it's been a little bit played you know the Sox have had so many different uniforms over the years that they've, they've had some crazy things with shorts and big old collars and uh that kind of thing I'll, I'll tell you what i would like to do uh, and maybe this is not the answer to your question exactly <laughs> But Nick and I have actually talked about it. I would like oh, to go, great. Here we go. I would like to go more to what the Tigers have. I don't like the pinstripes. I want I would like the script the SOX with no pinstripes. I think pinstripes, it's like that's that's Yankees. I don't I I, I just what do we need pinstripes for? I like nice clean, you know, white and then black and like a really thick, maybe black trim down the down the leg. That's what that's what I like. And it's got to have high socks. If you don't have high socks with, with your uniform, I mean, what are you doing out there? I always, mm-hmm. I try my t- kids. I'm like, pull your, pull your pants up and let show your socks off. So uh, I would say what they have now, I like uh, of, of anything that I've, they've ever had 83s. I could, I could handle, but it's been, they do that a, a kind of a lot. Actually you do have one. I do like they, they do a throwback once in a while. It's the big S and then the little O and the little yeah. X like in the, s and they i don't know if they just did it for like around memorial day and fourth of july but then it's like red white and blue kind of thing with stars in it that's kind of a cool jersey i like that so if you're a throwback that's what i would like but i like the modern day stuff but i'd like to tweak it um (laughs) we'll make a we'll make a call into jerry and let him know I have a um, problem with the uniforms. <laughs> I mean, I get, I, they, they have done a lot over the years. They really have. Uh, I like the 59s. Um, uh, it is with a current script uh, SOX, but there is a red outline. And then their hat is black with SOX um, uh, vertically uh, outlined in red. Uh, I really like those. Those are sharp from the 59 World Series team against the Dodgers, lost to the Dodgers. Um, my, what I really like though, and I wish they would incorporate is their spring training Jersey that they have. It has the Hitman logo. It's a black top with the white Hitman logo on the chest. It's a sharp, it combines new and old. And I do not like the current uh, spring training hats that they have like these two logos, uh, overlapping logos on them. I, I like the, just the, the half, uh, Hitman without the SOX I'm wearing it. I don't know, you know, if this is going to play on, on the podcast, but, uh, I like that jersey a lot. Um, current rotation, it's the black tops, the black tops, and the uh, and whatever pant. But I love those black uh, black tops right now. 
that's the one thing like the Dodgers they've had like the iconic like it hasn't changed in like yeah. however many years I like I love the Dodgers but it's the one thing where like I can't go buy like retro gear because it's this it's just it's been the same like I can't yeah. like that's the one thing I loved about going to the White Sox game like there's like a hundred hats from all these like different eras of logos and stuff and I always yeah. I always love that yeah. I mean Detroit too Detroit's been pretty consistent for years I mean yeah. maybe some batting practice jerseys some alternates but yeah old school keeping it old school yeah yeah one more fun one then is with the worst jersey in baseball because my pick is the san diego padres camo jersey is just like the absolute worst jersey are you talking yeah. anytime in, in because i, I think yeah. the the astros that really disgusting orange that they oh, wore yeah. back, way back in the day um <laughs> i think those were were pretty putrid gross and 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 I don't know why people like get all hung up on powder blues, but when the Cardinals did a powder blue, it's like you're the Cardinals. I mean, it's you're, it's a red bird. Don't do powder blue. I mean, it's not that hard. Just red. Come on, Art Cardinal way. <laughs> you know, I, I'd piggyback on the powder blues. The Indians did it years ago, and it just did not. It did not have a very good look when they did their powder blue. Um, not every team can pull it off. The Sox did it really well, though, of course, and. Um, <laughs> And uh, they, they had the, they were in 1968. They had, they had with the blue socks hat and the powder blue with the script Chicago. Those are sharp. I think they wore them against, they did it at retro day against Oakland, which I love those turn back the clock days where they both wear their, you know, retro jerseys. They did it with Oakland, I think a couple of years ago. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, both good. Well, we appreciate the time, fellas. This was super fun. Hope you guys had a good time. Uh, make sure to check these guys out on Twitter at good guys, TB. Uh, and listen, if you're a Sox fan or just a fan of baseball, go. The Sox are fun this year. Go ch- check in every week with uh, with Pat and Nick.